0: Welcome to a brand new edition of the Selby is Godcast. I am TJ Zupi. He is Zach Meisel. The winter meetings are underway. Unlike the past several years, though, Zach, there's actually activity in the game of baseball going on. Enough that we don't have people looking ahead to potential work stoppages and asking what's wrong with the offseason, what's wrong with the game. There's signings, a few minor trades. There's actually things to discuss and analyze. That's kind of... uh,
1: of a different situation, compared to the last years, would you say? I, I mean, I guess, but I, I kind of disagree. I, I think, I, for Indians fans who I would think make up the vast majority of our listeners, I think it's all about are they going to trade Francisco Lindor? I think that clouds everything and. Because of that, uh, I'm sure Indians fans are just antsy and, and waiting for the next batch of rumors, and they just want to get this over with one way or another, right?
0: <laughs> just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. You want to you waste every last second of enjoying Francisco Lindor by looking ahead to what could or could not be? That seems unreasonable. That's irrational. you to focus on a victory Monday for at least a few <laughs> seconds.
1: Well, you can't do that because you got to criticize Browns media for making it a closer game than they would have wanted.
0: <laughs> well, if that's the case, I can criticize you for the lack of movement as far as Indians-related activity at the winter meetings. Am I right? Well,
1: just wait. Just wait till I get in a suite with Antonetti, and Chernoff. they're not going to know what's coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and we've we've spent the last couple of years discussing what happens at the winter meetings, so we're not going to spend too much time talking about that today. Um, anybody that has listened to this podcast for the last year or two is a little familiar with our thoughts on the winter meetings and the the good things that can come out of it, and also the amount of time that is just essentially wasted is the best way I could put it. um standing around looking at each other and waiting for things to happen. Um You can try to force it, you could try to to get as much information as you can, but as as we know. Sometimes these moves can come together quickly. Sometimes it takes months of talks to actually bring something together. I look back to the, the Trevor Bauer trade that actually took place last year, and I would think the roots of that could probably extend all the way back beyond the winter meetings last year when there was talk of Kluber trades and Bauer trades. So it, when they say that talks originate, at the winter meetings and just because it is something that does come to an end that it's not necessarily a starting and a fi- a finish line. But I think that was at least one point where we can look to and say, yeah, there's probably some truth there. There were probably some discussions that took place last year that ended up resulting in the eventual trade of Trevor Bauer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's completely accurate. This is where you get everybody under one roof and it's not, I mean, Major League Baseball would love it if this turned into like Super Bowl Media Day and was this huge spectacle and there was a flurry of activity, of signings and trades and rumors. and. Uh, but it's, you can't force that. So really what it is, is it's a way to encourage dialogue. It's a way to get Chris Antonetti and Andrew Friedman to say, hey, you know, we're going to be in the same building in a couple of weeks. Why don't we just talk then? Uh, but you're right. I mean, they... They talked to teams last winter around this time about Bauer and Kluber, and nothing happened. And then, you know, they, they kept talking. And even in June, I think it was mid-June, like, the talks really heated up, and the Indians thought they were on the verge of trading Trevor Bauer, and then those fizzled. And it took another month after that to finally make a deal. So you're right, you have to get everybody on the same page. You have to have everybody happy with what both sides are getting, because it's not like, I mean, we're not talking about little minor trades here. We're talking about the, the two names that are going to come up the most are your perennial all-star shortstop who's in the prime of his career and your two time Cy Young award winning starting pitcher who is even more difficult to trade because nobody knows what he has left. So it's, it's tricky and it's, it's not going to be something that can be simply hammered out in a couple of days in a hotel suite in San Diego. And, and you know, who knows where these talks will lead. Maybe they, maybe they go nowhere. Maybe this is where they get in a room and and the Dodgers say, Hey, we're not going to give you what you want. And the Indians say, okay, well then we're going to keep our guys.
0: Do you think anything has changed from the last time I asked you about a potential Corey Kluber trade, anything at all, any, any sort of shift, even just personally to your thought that it could potentially happen. I'm still wrestling with that in my mind, where I think there are benefits to moving him. Yeah. But you and I agree. The Indians typically don't want to be selling when the price is at its lowest. And for now, Corey Kluber coming off, in, coming off of an injury plagued year, um, not by his own, you know, it wasn't something arm related, it was something fluky. But still, even before that, he wasn't his typical sell. So you'd be selling low and probably getting back lesser a lesser return than you would have at least a year ago?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing that maybe could spur something would be if teams miss out on Cole, Steven Strasburg, and then you look around and you say, okay, well, do we want to pay any of the remaining free agents, probably more than market value, or do we try to see what the Indians want for Kluber. I, I think that's, that, that's why I think if, if this happens, it's probably later in the offseason after the big names have signed, after teams reevaluate their options. But again, it's like, you know, you could trade them. And, you know, if, you, if it's all about financial flexibility, that certainly is one way to get it. Um, but it's, they're going to want something in return. And the team that's trading for him has no idea what to make of last year. Because it's not about the injury to me. I mean, the injury... For the Indian standpoint last year, the injury obviously stunk because you had to really dig deep into your pitching depth. But in the grand scheme of things, it was a freak accident. It had nothing to do with his, his shoulder or his arm. I mean, it did have to do with his arm, but not, not in a way that affects his pitching. And he basically got to take a year off and rest and recover and rehab. So in a way, like the Indians are spinning that positively, but are they just doing that to maybe boost his trade value? You know, you know, what, what is a team going to make of how he was pitching before he got hurt? And that's why it's like, is a team really going to want to take on his salary knowing it's a risk and give up some prospects? Like, I I don't know. It's, it's very difficult Kind of like Lindor, it's like it's there's only a handful of teams that probably would be fits, and then you got to see, is this their best option?
0: I don't know. Well, the risk doesn't come in the salary, though, in my mind, for any team, or even any Indians. I know salary is always going to be a buckaboo for them, and hell, we can discuss that in a couple of minutes. But even if Kluber is 75% of his former self, by standards in baseball and what pitching is going to go for and certainly pitching of his caliber, I certainly think the amount of money that they're going to pay him for one year is worth that risk. So I don't think it is – it's not a matter of do you want to spend this amount of money on on this guy that that wasn't quite as good as we've seen in the past and then missed a lot of time with injury last year. The risk comes in what do you give up to get him? That's right. the well, that's, I think that's a major risk for teams because if you're talking about – actual risk as far as money goes, there's not a lot of it because it's only a one-year guarantee. And we've seen multiple teams are willing to give more money over a shorter term as opposed Mm -hmm. to the length of the contract. So if you're only talking about a one-year guarantee and you potentially control another year beyond that, if you want to, that's all on your desire or, or, or not, then I don't think the risk is that big as far as money goes. It's just can they get back the... The prospect value to make it worth it for the Indians' sake, and that, that's right, I, where, that's where my biggest concern has always been that they're not going to find that.
1: I do think though you're you are limiting yourself because like Tampa is not going to take that risk. Like there are there are small market teams who are willing to take some risk, but not the added risk of it's not just the money. It's not like he's a free agent. You're going to have to give something, and because of that, I do think you're limiting the number of teams that would be a match and not only that i mean like teams could look at the free agent market and say like okay well here's like a middle of the road guy and and we'd rather take the risk on that without having to give anything up so yeah and and we know how free agency works now you get to february there's still guys out there and they'll sign for less than they're probably worth because you don't want to keep sitting out there and, and waiting for a job so I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. That that's one where, like, uh, Lindor, there's such a limited market in terms of teams that would make sense. That yeah, I every think, every
0: team in the game wants him.
1: Yeah, and it's like you're the, not. I don't think you're going to trade him in February. But like Kluber is something to probably monitor indefinitely. I would think.
0: If it is true that the market is limited because of the, the amount of teams that could afford him, even for one year, then the Indians shouldn't let that stand in, in their way. You're already committed to that amount of money. If you see a return that, that is actually worth it as far as Kluber goes, removing the money, then they shouldn't have any issue. And I'm, I'm saying should, not necessarily will. They shouldn't have any issue actually chipping in money to make that work.
1: Yeah, well, and this, this increase, is increase
0: Increase your market by saying, yes, we will pay X amount of his salary right. to increase our return.
1: Right, so this is, this is a broader discussion, and it's, it's why... It's, it's a lot of what goes on here this week, is, is contingency plans and surveying different scenarios, and it's why you can almost link all of these things together like if you are keeping Lindor for the next two years and it's either, I think it's either you trade him now or you, you don't trade him at all, or at least that's what it should be. Cause you're not going to get what you want for him a year from now. If that's the case, you can't waste this. And I would be screaming this right now into the headset. If I wasn't in a work room in a at the winter meetings, but if you're keeping him, you, you've already fucked around and you, you wasted 2019. I think we could argue you wasted 2018 as well. If you know you have him for two years, you better put the best damn team around him you can. Ownership be damned. Like I'm not saying inflate the payroll to $180 million, but give the front office some wiggle room so that they can put the best team around him so that you can make the most of those two years. Or else, what the hell are we doing here? Um, and so I think because of that, it's like, well, if you are keeping Lindor, then, you know, maybe it makes more sense to keep Kluber instead of just trying to get anything for him. Um, and, and then maybe it makes sense to, to trade one of your younger starting pitchers who's not quite ready to, to be a mainstay uh, on the playoff team. You know, I'm not even necessarily talking like Plesak or Savali, but guys younger, less experienced than that, and, and trading for some major league help. So it's like all of these things are, are linked in a way. They all revolve around the shortstop. And at the end of the day, like, that decision and how ownership treats this situation is, is going to determine like, the short and long-term health of the franchise. And not only that, like, do you care at all about your fan base? <laughs> I feel like Paul Dolan is so insulated. And he told me earlier this year in that interview that he has a rosier outlook than most. And it's like, that's fine. But man, you got to get this right. You can't fuck this up or else you're going to just completely alienate your fan base and possibly get worse. And, and that's, there might not be any coming back from that.
0: How many GMs do you think Chris Antonetti forwarded Zach Plesak's Instagram video of him playing long toss with Mike Clevenger? How, yeah, how, how, day many, day. how many times <laughs> did he forward that? Like, hey, did you, did you guys see what Zach Plesak is doing? Look how good he's going to be. Look how awesome he's working out with Clevenger. Did you see what Clevenger did last year? Now he's going down the same path as Clevenger? Oh my, you better get in line
1: and trade for this guy. It's so funny because it's such like a bittersweet thing when Clevenger posted he's going to have drawing a 100 by the time they get to spring training. And Antonetti's probably looking at that and like, awesome, like that boosts his trade value. But shit, Clevenger's going to be pissed if we trade him. <laughs> we don't want to upset him. We want to sign him long term. So yeah, it's it's a gift and a curse I guess but eh, you know they traded Trevor Bauer and Clevenger was over it like the ne- the next day so who who knows.
0: Yeah it's you trade a friend and that stinks you trade a, a teammate that stinks it always comes down to what did you get what did you get in return alright tell me tell me the news what did we get is it a slap dick prospect <laughs> or is it somebody that, <laughs> that actually uh, is going to help us win and if that's the case if I think if Mike Clevenger says, ah, well, it sucks that we lost this guy, but hey, we got back with Merrifield, I think he'll get over it. I think he'll be all right.
1: Yeah, well, he was... It was a weird thing, because, I mean, first of all, that trade went down while during post-game interviews, so it was a circus to begin with, but I remember Clevenger talking to him, and when he found out Logan Allen was in the deal, his mood completely switched, <laughs> because he's, he's longtime <laughs> friends with Logan Allen. They've trained together, Um They know each other pretty well, so that was at least like a saving grace. Different than, I remember a couple people learning Yasiel Puig was in the deal, and they were like, what the hell is going on? Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, initially it was
0: Bauer. It looked like Bauer straight up for Puig. You're thinking, what? (laughs) That don't make any sense. So, yeah, I can see why some people were kind of pissed off about that until they learned, oh, there's some other... There's a, there's a freaking masher in this trade that we're going to have for five years and a couple of pitchers that might be able to help us. Oh, okay, this looks a little bit better.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to bring up, um, and, and we're going to do at least a couple of these this week. They might be a little bit shorter just because we'll, we'll do more and we'll squeeze them in during this. I want to say, like, busy schedule, but it's busy, but nothing's happening, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> it's but always hurry share. up to wait. That's one what
0: this business th- is about.
1: Exactly. I, I was going to say one of the best things. One of the only good things about the winter meetings is the random people you see. And, and talking like former players. So I, Joe Smith had a golf outing late last week. Um, I want to say it was maybe Newport Beach. Somewhere pretty close by. So he, his agent's here. He's a free agent. He stopped by ran into him last night. It was nice catching up to Joe Smith. Who's who's, he's one of the good guys in baseball. And we, we had a good laugh because he's, he, especially because his wife, Allie LaForce, I think is in the media and and does interviews and stuff. I think he's warmed up to it, but he's always been a guy who's like, like he's nice, but like, he doesn't want to talk to the media. He doesn't want to have to answer questions. He'll do it. Um, but like, you know, he's a middle reliever. Like those guys talk to the media less than anybody. And so we were laughing about how during the World Series, it was such a big deal to media outlets that he had the most appearances without a World Series appearance until this year. And he was like, okay, that's kind of cool the first time it was brought up. And then like toward the end of the World Series, it was all anyone wanted to talk to him about, and he was getting so annoyed um, and then he he realized Fernando Rodney is on the Nationals. His previous World Series appearance was t- 2006, I think. Um, and he's like, hasn't Fernando Rodney made more appearances in that span than I have? Like that's more interesting than me. So, uh, but it was good catching up with him. I also saw Josh Barfield, I believe. Who I feel like I, s- I see him every year at the yeah. meetings. meetings. Uh, that's a nice random Indian, though. Just in terms of it seemed like he was going to be, he was still young when they traded for him. It looked like he was going to be the second baseman of the future. And then by the end of the year, as Drupal Cabrera had supplanted him and he was basically a lost cause. Um, And then I wanted to do a random minion of the day because Joe Smith was with somebody that, boy, I did not expect to see this person. So are you ready?
0: Yeah, we can mix that in here in the middle because I want to finish. I want to wrap up with, with one thing to kind of, put it on a tee and let you go. I feel like last week was all about me just rambling. So this week I'm going to give you an opportunity. But yeah, let's go here. Let's let's mix in this random Indian because I'm curious who it was.
1: This person played in 205 games for the Indians from 2009 to 2011. They posted a 240, 294, 322 slash line. That's a 615 OPS, I guess. Baseball reference must be rounding up. But yeah, 615. Four home runs in 200. And, oh, three home runs. Wait, no, 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 no. I just gave you his career totals. His Indians totals. 205 games, three home runs. 245, 295, 329. So 2009 to 2011.
0: um uh, with only 3 home runs my god
1: in 2010 he played the most 122 games stole 20 bases hit 251 634 ops god that team was dreadful
0: i don't know why i'm blanking on that right now
1: played we've outfield
0: always said, we've always said that it's the more recent teams Harder to remember Each and every single player that was on them
1: An outfielder He wore numbers 26, 62, and 4 Is it Trevor Crow? It is Former first round pick Trevor Crow Who's uh, looking to get back Into the game in some capacity Um, He went and played for Houston For a little bit after the Indians He's only thirty six. I know him and Lou Marson and Joe Smith are all good friends still. Uh, last played professionally in twenty fourteen. Triple A for the Tigers. But yeah, first round pick, that was not ideal in two thousand five. Yeah, I, rem- I
0: remember when they when they selected Tyler Naquin, everyone immediately went to, oh God, he's the next Trevor Crow.
1: Yeah, that was smack dab in the middle of their stretch where they just misfired on every first rounder they had for like a decade. Um, which I mean, that clearly set them back. Well, Trevor, Trevor Crow, good guy.
0: When you would, while you would generally like more out of a first round pick, I would. I think we both can agree that Tyler Naquin has had a more impactful Indians career than Trevor Crow did. Yeah. Well, we were is there, tra- is there tra- any tra- photo of Trevor Crow at home plate with the devil horns in the air <laughs> after completing an inside-the-park walk-off home run? Run-off home no. run. You know, off. we
1: were—I was talking with Jordan Bastian about this last night, and it's like they've had so many of those like part-time platoon outfielders. Not even just—I mean, this goes back to like Jason Michaels and David Delucci, and um, mm-hmm. I mean Tyler Naquin. Like outfielders just do not last here. Unless you're Michael Brantley, Ben Francisco. Yeah, did you say Franklin Gutierrez? Franklin Gutierrez and now Who Tyler Nagwin and Daniel Johnson and
0: Franklin Gutierrez went on to have
1: a pretty
0: good career, really good defender. Probably gets overlooked, but uh, yeah, that yeah they they've gone through a number of them, just kind of chewing them up and spitting them out and trading them for. Uh, left-handed relievers—they had no business doing that.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Trevor Crow. Wish him well. I also shared an elevator ride with. Do you remember? So <laughs> the only reason why you might remember this is because his. So we can talk HBD for a second here and bore our listeners, but you know they have they generate randomly generate names for the made-up players, right? Yes. And they're all based on former, current major leaguers. So there's the one that I don't know how to pronounce, like Se- Se- Segwignol. <laughs> I always, know what you're saying. I, I don't I know how don't, to pronounce it, but you yeah. always see it in HPD. Um, so Fernando Segwignol, who is the only player that I've heard of that has that name, which I'm guessing that's where the HBD name generator got it. I shared an elevator ride with him and he's working for the Mariners and in their international scouting now. And, um, the only thing I remembered about him is that he played for the Expos. Yeah, so, that, that was it for me, too. Yeah, so we shook hands and he said his name, and I was like, oh, Expos, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's all I got, though. Sorry. <laughs> uh,
0: fantastic. That, I hope that's the, for, for Joe Smith, it's the World Series appearance thing. For him, it's, God damn it, another person said Expos to me. I'm about more than my time with the Expos. Damn it. Um, (laughs) So I looked it up. Uh, Trevor Crowe, career, 0.1 wins above – no, 0.2 wins above replacement with the Indians in his career, and Tyler Naquin, 3.2. So, yeah, I would say Tyler Naquin has had a significantly more impactful career. And even if you were to say, well, yeah, it all came in the 2016 season. Okay, yeah, very true. He was
1: solid last year, though, before he (laughs) – that gets Before, over. during, and after he got hurt.
0: If you actually looked at Baseball Reference, wins above replacement for Tyler Naquin, he was worth one win above replacement in 2016. He was actually worth 1.4 last year. So, uh, if if you're being fair to him, he was uh, he wasn't bad last year. He was if if he wouldn't have got hurt, he probably would have finished somewhere close to two wins above replacement, and that's a league average player. That's. If you have league average players across the bottom of your roster, you ain't going to be upset about that.
1: Especially yeah, I mean, we're just striving for a league average podcast, right?
0: Maybe <laughs> just a smidge, but can I be a 101 WRC Plus for this podcast? How much do you love, as it is the Winter Meetings, and we're wrapping things up, as Zach mentioned, we will do, be doing this a few times this week, so we're keeping them shorter, kind of squeezing them in when we can. Uh, in between all the... Hot and juicy news. How much do you love just chasing every bullshit thing that gets written, and whether or not it's sourced, not sourced, gut feeling, some of these opinion? But every time somebody writes a headline and smacks it up on Twitter, and then you got to deal with the fallout. How enjoyable is that for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is amplified exponentially because of social media. Um. It it sucks, and, and I'm not complaining about this job because it's it's an honor and a privilege, and it's most of the time it's it's so much fun. But in this age of clickbait, of scanning a headline really quick, bitching about it, and then moving on, it's made everything difficult and frustrating. I mean, this this week especially, and and I've grown to loathe this week because of that. Where look, I mean maybe the Indians will trade Francisco Lindor but if it's going to be like last year where every single day he's linked to another team, then I'm going to lose my shit because yes teams talk. That is the whole point of this. Um, So it's it it shouldn't be a surprise when there's a rumor that you know, Trevor Bauer you know, the, the Indians and Phillies have discussed Trevor Bauer. The Indians and Dodgers have discussed Trevor Bauer. The Indians and Nippenham fighters have discussed trevor bauer like but of course they talk they discuss things that's that's the whole point of this um and you know i i know there's a lot of frustration and angst out there with the indians because it feels like they're on the cusp but they won't take that plunge to to really go for it um i completely get that and i can't i'm not going to slam fans for feeling frustrated for feeling like this whole run, which has been, it's been good. Like, yeah, you love the fact that you have competitive baseball year in and year out, but it's been 71 years, man. (laughs) Like at some point you want to see a title and you don't want to get so close and not see it when you have these star players and and they walk away. And so this is a long winded way of saying like, uh, I can't blame fans for being fed up and frustrated and for reacting to random rumors or seeing a headline that says oh, the Indians might trim payroll again, even though in the article there's zero substance backing that up. And they might like they might trade payroll, trim payroll. The article in question just said that it might happen if they trade Lindor or Kluber because those are two high paid players. And so if you trade them, your payroll will go down. Um, no one thinks their payroll is going up to 140 or 150 and, and It wouldn't surprise me if their payroll is 110 on opening day or 107. But you know, it's it's there's just so much out there, and you can just the 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 line is this all relates. I mean, we could we could go on and on here and relate this to the whole Browns fans versus Browns media war that's been going on for weeks. It's it's ridiculous. So I, I think in this age of Everybody's an analyst. Everybody's a columnist. um, And everybody can just post something because they need to hit their quotas. Like, this is the shit that happens. And it's, it's frustrating because, you know, I feel like we're in the position way too often of needing to talk fans off the ledge. And it shouldn't have to be like that. Because fans should be fully informed. And it's hard to do that. There's just so much out there, and, and anyone can say something and run with it. And it's believable because fans are tired of chasing that dream.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me that they're not actually the ham fighters and it's just the fighters?
1: Were you today years old when you learned that?
0: <laughs> uh, I, I love the amount of time I spent in my life. Until, uh, I don't know, several years ago. But when I realized, wait, it's not the ham fighters? They're not actually,
1: like, pigs fighting? <laughs> That's not what that is? Yeah, I, I thought that, too. Um, it, it should be that. Right?
0: Yeah, if, there's no, if no one has established that to this point, then someone needs to jump on that.
1: But, I, I mean, I go back to, like, the main point, the takeaway from this podcast should be, you got to figure out what you're doing with your short stuff. And then everything else is a ripple effect off of that. If you're tr- trading him, well, then you've got a lot of pieces to fill and you've got PR war to wage. And good luck with that. If you're keeping him, you better put a really good team around him or else this, this whole thing seems pointless and trivial to me.
0: The Hokkaido Nippenham Fighters... are a Japanese professional baseball team based in Sapporo, Hokkaido. I'm mispronouncing everything. They compete in the Pacific Pacific League of Nippon, Nippon Professional Baseball, playing the majority of their home games at the Sapporo Dome. The fighters also host a select number of regional home games in cities across Hokkaido. Again, I'm completely mispronouncing that. I apologize including a bunch of other places that I will not even pretend to pronounce. The team's name comes from its parent organization, Nippum Ham, a major Japanese food processing company. So that's what it is. There you got it.
1: Thank you. I am now
0: fully informed. Well, if you'd like more information, join you uh, later this week for more information on the uh, Ham Fighters. But until then, if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Anchor. You can help support the podcast. You can find us at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, and at Selby is Godcast. Well, you've shared your final thoughts, so we are out of here. Until next time, until later this week, be safe, be good, and we'll see you then. Later. (laughs)
1: The Selby is Godcast featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Selby Godcast. Thanks for listening.